falls down the pit. I, I hate, I'm going to keep on saying this when we talk about Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. This yeah. is falling down the pit, right? Yep. And this scene is spooky and wonderful. And it was a hundred people. Yep. That's how many hands there were. All this with like latex gloves on. This was the most complicated scene they found. Right. I, so she falls down this pit where all these arms are kind of making hand puppets and talking to her and asking her, do you want to go up? Do you want to go down? So she eventually goes all the way to the bottom. When she gets to the bottom, it cuts back to Jareth. <laughs> This is just fun for me because I'm a weirdo. But um, something says something to the effect of she's in the Obliette. Do you know what Obliette is? No. Obliettes are basement dungeons. And I immediately start thinking of Silence of the Lambs. So the only two Obliettes I know are from Labyrinth and Silence of the Lambs. So in your new basement, are you going to have one? I, I need an Obliette. <laughs> Jesus. I know, right? It's dark. It's very dark. Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Prepare to be stuffed in our DeLorean and taken on a trip through the best decade of film ever. Hey, Mo, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. So if you love Caddyshack, The Goonies, Aliens, Weird Science, Spies Like Us, The Great Outdoors, Empire Strikes Back, The Great Muppet Caper, Pretty in Pink, Predator, Rocky IV, Roadhouse, Say Anything, Real Genius, Short Circuit, Some Kind of Wonderful, Beverly Hills Cop, Akira, Tango and Cash, The Breakfast Club, and They Live, just to name a few, then sit back, relax, and get ready to be entertained. Because we came here to chew bubblegum and podcast about 80s movies, and we're all out of bubblegum. If you haven't already, subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave a review and a five-star rating. It's a moral imperative! You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, and all social media platforms by searching the tag at Buzz in the Tower. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, The Tower. Also, check out our website, buzzinthetower.com, and grab some officially licensed gear. It's so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking some up. Now, if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. Head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash buzzinthetower. With memberships as low as $3 a month, you can have access to tons of extra content, and a portion of all proceeds go directly to Save Ferris. Dakashane, darling, Dakashane. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Sonic Loans. You can find them at sonicloans.com. Max, finding the right team to get you the right mortgage can be like navigating a maze or even a labyrinth. Oh. You like that? (laughs) Sure. Goblins left and right trying to steal your hard-earned money and steal your little brother. (laughs) No, probably not that part of it. Sonic Loans is your Ludo. The rock collar? Yeah, the rock collar, of course. (laughs) And they will move rocks to get you the best loan available. Uh, The mortgage process can be as confusing as our ads for them, and the slightest mistake can saddle you with 30 years worth of overpayments, and you don't want that. No. Sonic Loans is here to help you save money. When it comes to getting the best rate, work with a true partner, look no further than our friends at Sonic Loans. Give them a call, tell them that Buzz in the Tower sent you, and dance magic, dance. NMLS number 1955855. Not a available in all states. Not a commitment to lend. Additional requirements apply. Visit sonicloans.com or call 313-488-4888 for more information. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Bolton Legal Group. You can find them at boltonlegalgroup.com. Every person at some point in their life needs an attorney, even Jim Henson. 
his script for this. There was a lawsuit against it. For really? A, yeah. I'll, I'll get you the details later, but okay. a quick tease right now. And he won that suit, thank God, because if he hadn't have won that suit, we wouldn't have Labyrinth. We wouldn't be talking about the movie today. Bolton Legal Group, if they were the ones that were representing Jim Henson, not only would they still have won, we might have had Labyrinth 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I'm good with 1. You're good with God, I hate you so much. <laughs> Aggressive, efficient Bolton Legal Group is your one-stop shop for a consultation call, 248-595-0001. Let them know that Buzz in the Tower sent you. You don't have to mention that Max is not a huge fan of Labyrinth because they may not like that, but you can tell them that Mo sent you for the best legal support in all of Michigan. Aggressive, like I said, contract law, business law. If you have a problem, they are the group to call. Today's episode, Labyrinth. Directed by Jim Henson, executive produced by George Lucas, starring David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly. Yet despite that lineup, a total commercial flop that broke the heart of its creator. Labyrinth is the dictionary definition of a cult classic, and luckily, Jim Henson lived long enough to see how much people truly loved his dark fairy tale. Today on Buzz in the Tower, we'll make our way through the labyrinth to the castle beyond the Goblin City. It doesn't look that far. It's further than you think. Time is short. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the hoggle to my Sarah, Max Sanders. And with that, set the clock to 13 hours, and let's get after it. So I can't tell if I'm going to puke because I'm sick or because I detest this movie. Max, it's good to see you back in the studio with pink in your cheek and a sparkle in your eye. A little bit. I'm like 85. It was so cute, by the way. All our fans were like, are you okay? I'm happy nobody came after me. I listened to the episode and I was like, I was a little bit hard on you. I kind of felt bad. I never feel bad. My friend Rose is like a little bit. She was like, I'm mad at Mo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I remember who, which one of our, was it one of our patrons who wrote that I should go get the Princess Bride book? And sit at your bed. Oh, that would have been cute. I can't remember. For the life of me, I can't remember. And sit at your bedside. And and Fred Savage. Yeah. 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 We have a lot to talk about. And I don't know that I want to give that much time to why you don't like Labyrinth. I'm a dialogue boy. And this movie. But you like Star Wars. The dialogue on the original trilogy is terrible. So this movie, aesthetically, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Like the Muppet work. I'm a Muppet guy, too. I love Henson. I think okay. just, Sarah drives me nuts. I'm going to try to get in your head on this one. I think yeah. we're, we're, we're bouncing around. This okay. is what you and I do. We have to follow the path. Things aren't always what they seem. I'm going to be literally <laughs> quoting Labyrinth every other word. Is so, this your favorite movie? So it's not my favorite movie, but it is in this pocket of films that mm-hmm. I feel very strong about. So there are movies that I love, yeah. but I objectively can tell you they're not great movies, but they just touch a special place in my heart. Yeah. Typically anything having to do with Jim Henson, whether it's going all the way back to the original Muppet movie, which was in the late 70s, going to his last work, which was like Muppet 3D Vision. Isn't this his last movie? No, this is his last movie, but he did work after this. He did uh, The Storytellers, which I don't know if you've ever seen. No. If you don't like this and you don't like Dark Crystal. I like Dark Crystal. Since, uh, okay, well, well, we'll talk. We'll talk. Today. Okay. Walk we, we, walk we, got, we got 13 hours, I'm, so yeah. we're fine. I'm open. To like, there's something missing for me. That I, I think I by the time I'm done today, you're going to turn a little bit on how you feel. Well, you get mushy. Well, yeah. it's also how you were with the Goonies. So I think like the Goonies, you started off being like, no way. And now I think you have a better appreciation. You may not, it may not be one of your five favorites, but you at least can objectively say this is a good movie. I understand why yeah. people like this movie. Also, do you know Wayne Knight and Jurassic Park's outfits are exactly like chunks? Yes. It's, isn't that incredible? I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Max, welcome to the show. We're talking Labyrinth. If you hear a little pep in my voice, it's because we're one inch closer 
to my dream episode, which is remembering Jim Henson. When we get to do a full Jim Henson episode, that's going to get it's going to get super weird for me. This is kind of like a full Jim Henson. It's pretty close. Yeah, so it's as close as we're ever going to get. As as close as you'll let me get. I feel like this is also the precursor to you saying we're doing a Howard the Duck episode. I'm just we going have on. a Howard the no, Duck episode. We'll, we'll never air that one ever. Never. The people want it. Never. Never. <laughs> never. Duck overlord. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, so I got lots of facts, lots of stuff to talk about. Then we're going to jump into labyrinth. Let's start with subscribe, follow, rate, and review on whatever platform you're using. Don't forget that Spotify now is a platform that will allow you to do that, which is great. Uh, if you're doing Apple, leave a review and five stars and check us out on social media at Buzz in the Tower. And if you didn't hear last week, Max has been giving special preferential treatment to anyone who wears Buzz in the Tower gear into the bar he <laughs> works up. at. No. So go to our store, www. Do I even need to say that anymore? Is that irrelevant to say www? Yes, it's relevant. Buzzinthetower.com. Check out our online store. Get officially licensed merch. And of course, how could I forget? Patreon.com. We don't have any new co-pilots. It's like our third week in a row. So I really want to shake the cage a little bit and get you guys out there supporting us. Go to patreon.com, get access to early scheduling of what episodes we're doing. Our patrons knew we were doing this Labyrinth episode three weeks ago. Yeah, and voting and oh all that good stuff. Oh my God, it's all types of fun stuff. Polls. Zooms. Zooms, polls, dances, <laughs> dance. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You're either going to get Bowie or Bane. Bowie. Bowie. Bowie it is. No Bane. No, no, no. The goblins. Stop it. No, the darkness. No one likes this. Everybody, that's not true. I like it. That's okay. all that matters. Uh, and then social TikTok. TikTok in particular. Max is crushing it as usual. Uh, he does occasionally make an error, and I have sent him a really <laughs> nasty message about it. I think the last one is you tried to convince people that Anthony Michael Hall was, in fact, in Christmas vacation instead of regular vacation. I goofed up. It's okay. You can't be perfect. That's reserved for me. So other than that, I think we are ready to jump into what will be the greatest 13 hours of my life. We're going to be we're going to do a 13 hour podcast. I isn't that what the plan was or Well, when she comes back it's midnight, right? So like no time has changed. Okay. Right? Yeah. So this could be like no matter how long we do okay, it, it I'll could take be 5 hours. hours. We'll yeah. do 5 hours. Yeah. <laughs> 5 is fine. Okay. Cuz I believe she gets home at 7 and she was an hour late. She she, was. she being Sarah. Yeah. Course. What a jerk. What a jerk. She needs to babysit for once a week so her parents can go out to dinner. Before we talk about the movie, I should do, uh, maybe I'll just play the trailer. Okay. TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets and Dark Crystal. (laughs) Where you going with a head like that? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. (laughs) Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. The world of Labyrinth. 
1986. Good year. Labyrinth. Vision Quest, Top Gun. You got it. Real Te- genius. Teenage- Wait, no, 85. No, that's Sorry. 85. That's okay. Teenager Sarah is forced by her father and stepmother to babysit her baby brother, Toby. Toby does not stop crying, and Sarah wishes that her stepbrother be taken by the Goblin King, Jareth. Out of the blue, Toby stops crying, and when Sarah looks around the cradle, she learns that Toby is gone, and the Goblin King, Jareth, has taken her to his castle in the Goblin City in the middle of the labyrinth. Sarah is upset, reasonably. She has exactly 13 hours to make it to the middle of that labyrinth to save her little brother and bring him back home, and that is the plot of the labyrinth. Now I say the labyrinth, that's a mistake. That is the plot of Labyrinth. Yeah, no, the. The is only in the book. It's like Facebook. It's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) The Facebook. Yeah. I sound like an old person. I'm going to go on the Facebook. (laughs) This movie was directed by Jim Henson. It was written by Dennis Lee, Jim Henson, and Terry Jones. Stars David Bowie, Jennifer Conley, and Toby Froud, who is the baby Toby. That's who you say is the third lead? That is. Who else are you going to put in there? Major actors. Christopher Malcolm, the dad. Yeah, I guess I could put him in there. Toby's a bigger role. You know what else he was in? What? He was in Highlander. He was the machine gun bro. Remember who gets like cut by Kurgan? I don't. Street? I don't. But I'm going to immediately look it up as soon as we're done. Well, I don't also, remember it. he's a Rebel Force pilot in uh, Empire Strikes Back. That yeah. I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's All right. awesome. All right. He's got a career. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah. We will talk about puppeteers, voices, all those other things. I just wanted to give a quick intro and taste of some of the people that are in this film. With all that being said. Get to the worst part of this entire podcast, which is going to be talking about box office. What do you got, Max? $25 million budget, which is pretty high. I mean, yeah. you think about Batman was the highest, most expensive movie ever in 89, and that was $39 million. Sure. This isn't that far off. No. And it made $13.9 million An worldwide. absolute flop. And it crushed Jim Henson, which yeah. bums you out. Well, it does. The nice thing, uh, his wife and his children have all said that he was at least alive long enough to see the cult following like that people love this movie and we will talk at lengths about why I think this thing bombed, but it's important to know the reason this is a cult classic is by definition, it had very little commercial success. It had very little critical success. It only became really successful in like that phase two renting it, taking it home. And now today it's loved and people go nuts when we talk about labyrinth. They love this movie. Yeah. Roger Ebert gave it kind of a loop. He pooped on it. So he gave it a two star review and he said some real thought went into it. Yet there's something missing. It never really comes alive. Most of the reviews that are negative, I feel like are very similar to what you say, where there's a degree of evaluation. I can see that this is well put together. It's a cool premise. The effects are nice. Again, practical effects. You know, I like I live and die by the 80s having great movies because they're all practical effects, puppeteering, no CGI. Although, ironically, it is argued that the first CGI ever used in film was, whoa, was this movie. Yeah, d- yeah, don't, Sorry, I know it's a fact. Yeah. I, I don't want to kill it. Let me slow it down. <laughs> let me slow it down. But I think that your criticism falls in line with other people's criticisms. And I think it all stems from, I'll just get into it right now. I think it stems from one simple thing. Jim Henson's success was his undoing for this movie. When you heard Jim Henson's making a movie, Mm -hmm. your expectation is the Muppets. Your expectation is Sesame street. Your expectation is Fraggle rock. This is such an incredible detachment in so many different ways. The one thing that I love about labyrinth, and it's it's a storytelling story. It digs yeah. deep into the roots. It treats childhood as something that's very dark and dangerous and not all smiles. And, you know, I, I think if I may go on a tangent, you'll have to stop me occasionally on these. All right, Dennis Miller. It's going to get rough, right? Disney used to do a terrible job on this and Pixar does a fantastic job on this, right? So the original books that are the story of Snow White or the story of The Little Mermaid, 
there's parts of that book like where the little mermaid, when she gets her feet, it feels like glass cutting into her feet every step she takes. And then it became Disney-fied. They take all of the darkness. They take all of the risk. They take all the emotion out of it. Pixar does an outstanding job of tapping into those very things so that as a child, as a very young child, you can appreciate the beauty of the story and the funness of it. And it stays with you. The nostalgia doesn't hold it alone. As you get older, you're like, these are real stories about relationships and emotions. That's what Jim Henson did in this movie. It's a very dark story with adult themes and it feels almost like it's not even made for kids, but it's, that's what people went to the theater and that's what critics went in there looking at. I actually, I actually thought it was, I felt kind of childish and I didn't connect with kind of the character development of like, what was Sarah about or what was the lesson learned? Well, you're emotionally dead. That's in large part why you can't see these things. When I was sick, uh, <laughs> my comfort movie to go to bed was I was watching seven. See, that's what I'm talking about. You're, you're mentally ill. <laughs> but I really feel in large part, that's why Labyrinth struggled is that it, if you go to see a Quentin Tarantino movie you have an expectation of what you're going to be seeing. Yeah. And I think like Jim Henson. Yeah. Right. But even that stylistically, you have an expectation and that's what people were expecting. Jim Henson had all of his old friends, the people that he did Fraggle Rock, the people he did the Muppets with, they were all involved in this, but he was incredibly hesitant to let any of them do voices because he did not want any attachment to the Muppets or to Sesame street or to Fraggle Rock. He gave a couple voices to people that had done it before, but they had to do voices that were so distinctly different mm-hmm. that you wouldn't sit there and say, oh, that sounds like Gonzo. Oh, that sounds like Kermit. Like he went out of his way to make sure that didn't happen. So is this more the real him you think than the Muppets or is this more nor- like, God, this is hard to say. Is this the more true form of what is inside Henson's brain than the Muppets? If you go to the Muppet show, yeah, right? Forget the movies for a minute. If you go to the Muppet show, the Muppet show is littered with very dark themes that pop out every once in a while. Mm. Also though, there's Fozzie saying waka waka waka. So I think you see it in his work. I just think this is dedicated to what he loved the most, which is these classic, beautiful fairy tales that were really dark that had children being eaten and killed. And like it had death and life and sexuality and all these different themes woven into it. And he was just this labyrinth was him saying, I've created enough success where I can do what I want to do. And he did it. And that's why it hurts so much. If you're posing and posturing and making a movie just to make producers happy or just to make critics happy, if it fails, you might feel dumb. When you make something that's really who you are and it fails, that's like a shot to your gut, you know? So that was my rant. That was one of, I only have three scheduled rants. That's one of them. We got serious for a second. I, well, I this, think that was the most serious you've ever been on our podcast. <laughs> it's about Labyrinth. Huzzah! <laughs> yeah. Waka, waka, waka! I felt like we were like a news interview show. It was, like it you got Joe Royal kidding me. <laughs> All right, Max. You, uh, you had one job because I know you weren't going to talk passionately about this movie and your one job was to find some cool facts about this movie. So what do you got for me? So 25 treatments and versions of the script, which is kind of unheard of. I I mean, do you think Henson was just like crumpling up balls and be like, again, more? So it's interesting. So on this script, the film's conceptual designer was Brian Froud, the father of Toby. Fun little fact. Oh, interesting. So this guy teamed up with Henson and he had this vision of a baby surrounded with goblins. And that's where the original idea came for this. They kicked that over to children's author Dennis Lee. And he then essentially created like the novella. Is that the term? Yep. Okay. They then took that over to Terry Jones. Now, if you don't know the name Terry Jones, shame on you. Everybody should know that name. Monty Python. Yep. Henson's daughter had just read a script that was done by Terry Jones. It was like, this guy's great. You got to give it to him. Terry Jones made the script. That rewrite process, I believe, was after Terry Jones. And Henson passed it to quite a few people. 
one of the last who was uncredited was George Lucas. George Lucas actually took a swipe at the script. He's not really a great writer. No. <laughs> so going back to what you said about the dialogue, like maybe that would explain it because he's not a great dialogue. Okay. David Vader. By the way, every single time that you bring up a fact, I'm probably going to do what I just did. So go ahead with your next fact. I'm so sick about this movie. You don't know. It's really bad. So the movie was filmed next to Legend, mm-hmm. you know, the Tim Curry, awesome fantasy yes. Ridley Scott movie. Yes, yes. And the films often mingled together. Yes. Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son. You're about to give the fact that I didn't know until I researched for this, I think. And if you did, it is arguably the greatest fact of <laughs> all facts I've ever heard. Continue. I'm so excited. Is Brian Henson your hero because of this fact, by the way? I, I yeah. kind of am. He was my hero anyways. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm ruining this for you. So he met... And had a big crush on Mia Sarah. He sure did. Yeah. So they meet each other. Two ships passing in the night. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, Maybe yes. we'll do this one day. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and somehow they met again and married in 2010. I had no idea. That, and they're still married, I believe. I had no idea that he was married to her. And yes. He married Sloan Peterson. I, Max, it fills me with like goosebumps when I even think about the fact that he's married to Sloan Peterson. It's really cool. It's almost as cool as Howard Deutsch being married to Leah Thompson. We should do our favorite like couples, real life eighties couples. Yeah. That's it. You, you know, you Gina Davis and Goldblum. You're good for at least one of these every episode. Right? Yeah. Like we should do an episode. Of that. All right, continue with your facts. Some scenes had 48 Muppets with 52 puppeteers and eight people in goblin costumes. So just a small point of order. They're not technically Muppets. It's puppet. Muppets. It's puppeteer. Okay. So what's a Sorry, mu- a, so- mu- a Muppet is a very specific type of puppet. What is the definition of a Muppet? A mop plus a puppet? No, no. It's a puppet, but it's a Muppet. But it, isn't that like Henson's kind of signature? His on the Muppets. Like a Fraggle's not a Muppet. So a Fraggle's a Fraggle. So if Jim Henson makes a puppet, it not by definition is a Muppet? No. Okay. The Jim Henson Creature Shop. And they do stuff all over the place. But, yeah. But Muppets are Muppets. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. I'm just clarifying. You're Continue. The mu- Muppologist here. I am the Muppologist yeah. here. Continue. I mean, other facts? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> You're so nervous. You yeah. know this is very dangerous territory yeah. with me. So George Lucas was on set for the first day of filming. This is an amazing... <laughs> I'm so happy you found this fact. Yeah. Continue. This is one of my favorite facts, too. Do you have a picture of this? Or I have the picture. No way. So I'm going to send you the picture, and okay. you're going to post it. It is The picture is incredible. Okay, so he got Darth Vader to hand Henson a good luck card. A good luck card and a bottle of champagne, which I didn't know until you see the picture, where Vader's handing him the champagne and the good luck card. How cool is that? Did he have James Earl Jones behind him with a microphone? That would have been incredible. (laughs) So uh, Lucas was involved both as the executive producer and he also tinkered a little bit with the writing and he also uh, took a swipe at the editing. Mm -hmm. He was involved with that as well. Henson was quoted, and I'm I'm butchering it, but essentially quoted as saying, I have a tendency to go on and on and and Lucas can make things more concise. So his cut, again, going back to your back and forth and the the dialogue, I think probably played a heavy hand in the dialogue. But yeah, he had Darth Vader the first day of shooting in full costume show up and hand him a good luck card and a bottle that looked like of champagne. That's incredible. And I have a great picture of it for you to post. I'm excited. All right, continue, yeah. continue. So do you know who Maurice Sendak is? Yes. Yeah, I where, do. Where the wild things are. I do. Yeah, so he wasn't happy about this movie. This was the lawsuit. Yeah. So essentially, there's another there's another book, not where the wild things outside are. Outside over there. And outside over there, the basic premise is a girl's little sister or something gets stolen by goblins. It's similar. It's very similar. But I also think that, first of all, it got thrown out, so it didn't end up being an issue. And Henson paid a little tip of the hat in tribute in the movie, which when we get into the movie, I'll talk about. But you have to understand something. 
all of these themes are major fairy tale themes. Yep. Um, you know, the the journey of the hero, the coming of age, all yeah, that stuff. It's so, like coming to America. They said they got they ripped that off from another script. Right. It's like there's Well, they actually got sued for that big I, time. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying there's so many Cinderella stories. <laughs> Correct. You know what Correct. I mean? Like at a certain point you have to be like Cinderella story. <laughs> Cinderella story. Show I say Dalai Lama. <laughs> all right, continue, continue. So do you know where you can visit Hoggle? Uh, Max, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. That, by the way, I knew most of these yeah. before because yeah. I'm that sick. This is, again, an amazing story. Continue, please. Where can you visit Hoggle? So if you go to Scottsboro, Alabama, very hopping place. Guess who's got a picture of that for you to post tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, too? That's awesome. <laughs> the Unclaimed Baggage Center there, which is a museum, I guess, of unclaimed baggage. Yeah. Someone just left it in like a wooden... They No, they sent it to the wrong place. Oh, oh they did? Or, or it got lost somehow, and they yeah. found it, and someone open it was like oh my god this seems important and to this day it sits there and i'm gonna go buy it i'm gonna mortgage my house with i don't think you'll need to pay that much yeah i hope not. god don't be mean about <laughs> no i'm just saying hoggle's not worth six figures yeah, is he's he probably <laughs> if i feel this way other people feel this way Ooh, yeah what's the one piece of memorabilia you could take from this, this movie? movie yeah oh my god yeah Oh, dear God. I want, uh, when I get to the character in the review of the movie, I'll tell you what it is. I don't want to hop ahead. It won't make sense in the order of what we're doing. I want like the Transformer Goblin, the giant one. Oh, it wasn't a goblin. He was inside of a metal suit. Yeah. There was only a little tiny goblin in his I know, but like I want like the robot. All right, continue. You're making me sick. Sorry. (laughs) More facts. Uh, Let's see. We got, do you know who else auditioned for Sarah? I do, but tell me. (laughs) Laura Dern, Yasmin Bleeth. God, I love Yasmin. Please. You do. She was great in uh, basketball. Mm-hmm. Ali Sheedy, Mia Sarah, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Yep. You think any of them could have done it better? Also, Laura San Giacomo. Who is that? Uh, Lily Taylor. And who else do I have? Uh, Maddie Lil- Corman. Is Lily Taylor the guitar girl from Say Anything? Uh, yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. I believe you're yeah. correct. <laughs> the only person that I feel would have done justice to this is Ali Sheedy. I think Ali Sheedy would have been great. Laura Dern. I, 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 you don't like Laura Dern? I, I like her. Ali Sheedy felt, I felt more. The little like nerd, uh, you know, theater girl. I could feel Ali Sheedy doing. I hate the theater girl. <laughs> That's why you hate this movie. The way she talks, too, is just so arrogant. All right, can I hop in with a small fact? Because sure. this blows my mind. Yep. As you're talking about the other people that could have been Sarah. Which, by the way, Jennifer Connelly blew away Jim Henson, and it was like a no-brainer for him. Have you seen the audition reel? I have not. I'm going to post on TikTok. Please do. we got a lot of stuff to post. David Bowie crushed it. I would not replace him, but man, this would have been a wild movie if any of these other guys had been up for it. Uh, Sting was a huge contender for this. Rod Stewart, Freddie Mercury. Can that you imagine <laughs> Freddie Mercury would have been fantastic? Uh, Prince, and here's the big one, Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson as Jareth, well, in hindsight, because of all the stuff with kids, would have been maybe a little bit off-putting, but yeah. it, Michael Jackson would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the little goblin party where he's like throwing him around. Yeah, it's <laughs> not so good. All right, Even with Bowie, that's weird. It is. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. Don't you jump ahead. We'll get into it. What all else right. you got? I have no other facts that won't ruin the movie. So what do you have? Uh, it was a family affair. Uh, his daughter Cheryl was one of the puppeteers for one of the fireys, and then Brian Henson was Hoggle. Yep, which I think is just cool that he was able to work with his um, with his kids. So I do have one thing that I think is kind of wild. So by nature, I'm not a huge Star Trek person, but did you ever get into like the Next Generation? Uh, I mean, I like Picard. Okay, so do you remember who Doctor Beverly Crusher was? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I'm so happy you know who that is. I don't think you know this fact. So her name is Gates McFadden. She is a choreographer. She was the director of choreography for Dark Crystal and the Muppets Take Manhattan. She was also the director of choreography for Labyrinth. That's awesome. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Max, all the other stuff I have is tied to the movie. So you want to just jump into the movie? Yes. All right, Max, let's dance. The, The movie opens 
with the owl. I think it's argued as the first ever CGI that was in a movie. Photorealistic CGI. It was it was beautiful. And we also have, I think, Bowie's first song. No one can blame you for walking away, but too much rejection, little girl. <laughs> no love in Jackson. All right, I'm sorry. Owl knew the darkness. <laughs> no. All right, all right. So we open up with Sarah in this beautiful, serene park. And there's a little pond behind her and there's a swan. And you immediately know that she is the world's biggest theater nerd. Such a nerd. Ever. she got a little red book that says Labyrinth on it. And she talks in those like full non-abbreviated oh, sentences. I, I I fall in love with this movie immediately when I see you, her. Were you, you weren't a theater I wasn't kid. a theater nerd, but like the entire theme of this movie is this weird transition that happens to kids when they're like 15, 16 years old. And it's the giving up on childhood things and getting into adulthood. It's a caricature of what's really like. I, but I was like this. I mean, I, I was 13, 14 years old and like just wanted to watch the Muppets and was terrified in my mind that my friends would find out. And I had to like grow up and be cool and talk about girls. And I just wanted to play with Muppets. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> all right. Come on, Max. No one can blame you. <laughs> This is going to be a long 13 hours. All right. So she comes home late. Whoa, whoa. Easy, easy. We got to talk about her dog. You can't okay. just skip Merlin. over Merlin. What with Merlin? Yeah. Well, a beautiful, what was it? What sheep kind of dog? dog? What, yeah, sheep dog. So I already start seeing little themes on things. Like I just think about uh, Peter Pan. I know Peter Pan was uh, Seamus. What was your? No, uh, he's the dog I have now. He's Newfoundland. Newfie. Oh, yeah. that's right. Seamus is not a Newfie. I'm sorry. Even though two different kind of dogs, sheep dog versus Newfie, it just makes me think of that like dog, the family dog, you know, yeah. the big fluffy family dog. But uh, she takes it home. He's soaked. He's soaked. But the stepmom wouldn't. Okay, so she's running late because she's in the park playing pretend. Being a jerk. Being a jerk. <laughs> she <laughs> she runs home. She runs home. Her stepmom is like, where have you been? You're an hour late. It's classic teen angst, right? I said I'm sorry. Oh, did she great. say she was sorry? Even? I don't think she did. She's a little bratty. <laughs> and she's like. She's a little he, Daniel Russo bratty. I'm not like, going to lie. She's like, Merlin can't come in the house. He's going to destroy Awful. everything. Awful. I felt terrible about that. Seven o'clock. She's an hour late. She's yep. supposed to be there at six. Her parents want to go out. She's got to babysit her little brother, Toby. We mentioned Toby is the son of the guy who did all the creative design on this. Cute baby. So, you know, my background in child development. I don't know how this kid wouldn't have been severely damaged by all the scenes he the was The goblin in. party yeah. scenes. I wonder Terrifying, that. terrifying. Yeah. So he, he ends up growing up. He doesn't go into acting. He becomes a puppeteer. Yeah. So you have to remember, Jennifer Connelly's 14 playing a 16-year-old. There's a lot of weird stuff. Like her stepmom is like, you know, I wish you had a date. It was like pushing her to date. I'm like, who's pushing their 16-year-old daughter to date? It doesn't seem like she has friends. Yeah. Well, that's she's by herself yeah. for well, doing theater stuff on a Friday night. I so assume. she worships the theater stuff, which... When we get to her room, we can talk about it. Oh, a we're getting more. to her room okay. right now. Okay. Let's get to her room. Okay, cool. So in her room, we are treated to 655 Easter eggs yep. <laughs> on the whole movie. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Uh, well, so I'll try to go through them in order yep. that you see them. So you get in the room and you immediately pan and you see the Fiery's dolls. Yep. So the Fiery doll is the one that later in the movie pulls its head off and does a weird Jamaican song. I, can't, I think it's Jamaican. I it's very know. scary. You go to then a music box while you're panning across the room. The music box is a princess wearing a white dress. The song that's being played is a Bowie song as the world falls down. Is that the song in the dream sequence? It's so yes, correct. You got to look at you. You know your movie. Then you see books. You see where the wild things are. Um, you see a plush doll, uh, like a stuffed animal of Sir Didymus. Yep. You see the marble labyrinth, like little game that you play to move a marble in the in the maze. Yep. You see the Wizard of Oz, Snow White, Alice in Wonderland, 
Grimm's fairy tales. And then you see outside over there, the other book yep. that, that he got sued for supposedly ripping off. Holding up the books. Hoggle. Is Hoggle. Yeah. Oh, Max, you did your work. I'm yeah. so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, you see the famous poster, Relativity by M.C. Escher. Well, uh, all the stairs. Going yes. And that's going to be the whole end of the movie. Yep. Um, and then in the mirror, you've got next to the mirror, you've got the sculpture of Jareth. And then you've got articles on the mirror and you've got pictures, both referencing her mom. So I did a little digging in the movie itself. It doesn't explicitly say what happened to her mom. But if you look at the um, novels that were written before and after, apparently her mom had an affair, is still alive and had an affair with. The guy, Jeremy, is that what he, in real life? Well, the, the guy who looks like Bowie. Who's yeah, supposed to be Jareth, but yeah, I can't yeah. think of what her name is Which right is now. Which is weird that she's idolizing her mom. I, the whole thing For is, leaving her family. It's unique, but it's also, ve- again, very Disney. If you didn't know that, you would have thought her mom was dead. Like, they yeah. don't do anything to make you believe that her mom's alive. No. So then you see that Lancelot, one of her stuffed animals, yep. is missing. So she storms off into Toby's room. And this is where the only part of this movie that I have, like, any issue with is the vitriol she has towards this poor baby. She really does not like she that really baby. She really does not like that I'm going to tell you a terrible story. Oh, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. There is one other thing, too, that this I didn't see this anywhere, but I picked it up as I was doing my research. There's a wooden doll that's like a toy soldier in her room. And later, when she's in the actual labyrinth itself, she's in this, like, grassy area mm. where they do, like, the Edward Scissorhands little, like, um, yeah. Yeah. Bush shrubberies. It's the same doll, but oh. it's done as a full size one. Oh, that's cool. I just, for those that are keeping track, I wanted to put it out there. I mean, this whole movie's Easter eggs. I, through the looking glass. Uh, I don't even think it was Alice in Wonderland. I think it was through the looking glass. This, the movie is most resembles, in my opinion, through the looking glass and Wizard of Oz. That's where I would draw the most consistent themes, and we'll talk about that. But that's where I see the most things happening that feel like that. So at this point, other than the CGI owl, which I should have mentioned turned into a real owl when she was in the courtyard, you haven't seen any Muppets, puppets, anything yet. Nope. The introduction of them is, this is the classic Jim Henson, and I love it. I love this so much. It might be my favorite part of the whole movie, is that as, <laughs> you're going to hear me say it a lot, I'm out of control. Put a put a trank dart in my neck and just calm me down. You got a dart in your neck. I know, right? So so she starts threatening her poor infant brother who's wearing a red version of the Hamburglar outfit. <laughs> I thought where's Waldo? It's I, I want that outfit. That's what I should dress as every year for Halloween. So what, what, so weird. what I love about this, she starts saying the incantation, right? She yeah. starts saying the words and you get a quick glimpse of all of these goblins who are kind of like asleep and their eyes all open up yep. and you're immediately introduced to that world. It just happens like it's in a stark nature. And then I love that there's this space that exists in an otherwise dark and scary movie for classic Muppet humor. So you have the one goblin who is like the dumb idiot who's yeah. like, did she say it? And they're like, no, <laughs> shut up. She didn't say it yet. So they're, they're like, say the right words, say the right words. Um, and we'll take the baby to Goblin City and you will be free. And then she does the, I wish, I wish. And then <laughs> is she going to say it? Say what? And then finally, I wish the goblins would come and take you away right now. And she walks out of the bedroom, flips the light off, and then you don't hear any more crying. And you know what scene this reminds me of like vividly? The blood from shining. No. That's terrifying. <laughs> Hook. Oh, yeah. Just stylistically, yeah, yeah. like the room and the window being open. It just reminds me of Hook, which I love. It, not a lot of people like Hook. I love Hook. Uh, what do you mean? A lot of people like Hook. No, that's another movie that was like not critically acclaimed and people poo-poo on it all the time. You can it, chant in any millennials like kind of bar. You Rufio. Can, yeah, Rufio. Yeah. Rufio. Everyone Rufio. goes nuts. Oh. They're at a boy. Yeah. It's another 90s movie, Max. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> all right. So baby is gone. There's an owl fluttering outside of the door. 
and there's goblins in the room and you can see them. It's terrifying. It reminds me of critters. I thought of critters when I was oh, yeah. rewatching this yeah, and you see the one goblin, like the, the ones that walk or like really walk and they're yeah. little people are terrifying, but quick glimpses moving in and out under the blanket. And then that owl pops through the window and now you've got Jareth. And I got to tell you, I, I was not a preteen or teenage girl watching this and I still felt overpowered by Jareth. <laughs> I, most women I know, most women I know my age, yeah. like this is one of their first like, oh my God, big crushes. Awakening moment. Oh my, this is when they knew. They're like, this is what I want for the rest of my life. But I mean, he just comes in and he's everything from throwing a snake on her. Which like, like disappears into like a, a shawl. scarf. Yeah, yeah, just all of it, right? And then, you know, where is he? He's in my castle. I'm sorry. I'll, I'm trying not to do too much Bowie. Turn back, Sarah. Turn back before it's too late. <laughs> so what's, what's his motivation? Well, so the theory, yeah. I'm doing air quotes. The theory is, uh, I think we did this on one of our fan theories. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's true or not, but he loves Sarah mm. and by Sarah submitting to him, he'll submit to her and there's a lot of submitting. It's got uh, it. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's a lot of wanting yearning. Yeah. So like <laughs> that fan theory is that all those goblins were previous versions and that many, many years, thousands of years ago, Jareth was in love with a girl named Sarah and they were broke apart. And, and so now he searches for his replacement, Sarah. Yeah. The low pan core. Like. Right. Right. I'll, you know, it's funny you say low pan because I have a little something we're going to talk about tied to big trouble in little China. Really? I bet you didn't see that coming. Did you? No. It has nothing to do with Big Trouble in Little China, but it's literally coming up right now. So she heads into the labyrinth. She's trying to find the initial door to open it up. I love that Hoggle is taking a piss. Yeah. He's like peeing into a pond because, again, this is not meant to be Muppet. This is meant to be darker, more mature. It is weird. It, it's super weird. Um, So Hoggle's taking a piss and he also then is killing fairies. Yeah. <laughs> which is a little weird. With like an exterminator like spray stuff. Yeah. you You are Hoggle, by the way. What? Well, not in how you look. You're a handsome man, but his position on being a coward that he doesn't have a position is very max. I'm a flip-flopper. You, no, not just a flip-flop. You would argue that your position is that you don't take a position. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That's I'm Hoggle. The, I'm the wind. So I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but if you look at Hoggle's back, it's a face on his jacket. Oh, that's cool. And it's because he's two-faced. Faced. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a flip-flopper. So Hoggle is killing fairies, <laughs> and she says something like, you're you're horrible. He goes, no, I'm Hoggle. <laughs> so Hoggle- They always get his name wrong. They do. It's funny. Um, so Hog, it, it reminds me of- uh, uh, Rosebud, Rosewood, <laughs> Rowan Gardner, Rowan Gardner. Yeah. So it took six people to operate Hoggle. The voice was done by Brian Henson. Uh, the little person, Sherry Weiser, was inside for walking, and then it took four off-screen for animatronics in the face. Yeah, because he's got a lot of expressions. This goes to what I love about 80s films in particular, what Henson does work, not using CGI, relying on practical effects. He's so ugly, though. I know, it's great. I love Hoggle. So Hoggle gives her... I the that was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so Hoggle gives her the... This is how you get into the labyrinth. Yep. And she enters the labyrinth. When she gets in there... She is traveling and running and it's very matrix. She's like running and running and ending yep. up at the same spot over and over again. And she meets a, a little worm. Who what, says, what about the eye bushes? They freak me out. I'm getting to the eye bushes, which is my tie into Big Trouble in Little China. Those eye bushes turned into the floating eye in Big Trouble okay. in Little China. I like it. Yeah. So she meets this little worm. The most Cockney British accent. Hello, Hello governor. Hello. Hello. Sweep your chimney, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that's see like when i see stuff like that that's when my like oh i want to get some more tattoos kicks in you want that? that little worm yeah i love that little worm <laughs> so he gives her the first taste of the alice in wonderland aspect so yep. the two things happen right away you immediately get wizard of oz and you immediately get alice in wonderland the wizard of oz part to me is as she's going on this adventure down the yellow brick road 
and she's picking up her friends who each have a missing element of their personality. Oh, yeah. Hoggle's a coward, yeah. and then we'll move on to that more and more. But then the Cheshire Cat aspect of Alice in Wonderland, that everything's a riddle and everything is twisted and you have to be careful how you ask the question will dictate the answer you get. So even in this first part, uh, things are not always what they seem in this place, so you can't take anything for granted. And that theme gets reiterated. That's the storytale part of it. The other part of it is just the journey of the hero, you know, moving through childhood, becoming an adult. Blah, yeah, blah. and the weird uh, goblin uh, Jareth scenes, which are really strange. Very strange, which cuts us right to <laughs> the Motley Crew after party, basically. Max, Max, you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. Power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Remind me of the babe. I saw my baby. <laughs> Crying hard as babe could cry. The scene is disturbing. What could I do? <laughs> Whoever played Toby, I, I mean, no wonder why he likes Muppets. It's terrifying. Yeah. But Max, listen, I know you don't want to hear a lot of my singing, but I at least have to get to the chorus. We, yeah. we let me get to the chorus. Yes. It's the best part of the whole song. Come on. Are you there? Are you there with me? This whole episode's going to be like, come on, let me do this. Come on. What let me do this. kind of magic spell to use? Slime and snails or puppy dog tails? Thunder or lightning? Then baby said, dance, magic dance. <laughs> puppy dog tails. Come I don't know on. That's pretty good. Jump, magic jump. Conan, when's best in life? Uh, crush your enemies, see them <laughs> dream before you, and hear the lamentation of the dance, baby dance. <laughs> Put that magic jump on me. Slap that baby. Make him free. That's where, that's where it might get a little weird for me, the slapping the baby. So I wonder why they Listen, the entire scene is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. It's incredible. So they have this little infant who is terrified. They have all of these goblins and monsters everywhere. The fact that this kid grew up to be a functional adult is beyond me. Yep. The kid hated Jareth. So off screen, when Jareth is holding the baby, they had like squeaky toys. And they're like, hey, hi, buddy, trying to do anything. In the actual song itself, when you have the little like part where you can hear the baby talking, yeah. that's not the baby. It's, it's Bowie. Jareth. Yeah, yeah it's oh, Jareth. That's, that's where my head's at. Yeah. I don't even see him as Bowie anymore. I see him as Jareth. So you have this weird dance scene, but this is obviously one of the most memorable songs on the whole track, and everybody remembers, you know, dance, baby, dance. Now, here's something wild. The whole scene of You Do Voodoo is from The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. It's a 1947 screwball comedy starring Cary Grant and Shirley Temple. Really? I sent you the link. There's another thing for you to put on TikTok. But the entire interaction is almost word for word the same thing. Cary Grant tells her, you remind me of the man. She says, what man? He replies, the man with the power and adds the power of hoodoo. And she says, hoodoo? He says, you do remind me of the man. It's like a who's on first. Yeah. So that, that he took literally exactly from he stole this. stole it? Well, it's the 40s. I think it was more of like a tip of the hat as opposed to stealing. So, so if it's something from the 40s, you can just take it now? I guess it's so. The 40s. Oh my God. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Something I did not know about. No, it. All right. No idea. So moving on from that, we get back to Sarah, who now is gone on the wrong way because if that that worm said oh no don't go that way that's the way to the castle right had she gone that way she would have got right there with a shorter movie she heads off and she starts putting lipstick on tiles yep. to, to track where she's going. And what's the minions, the little minions, the gate? Oh, from the gate. Yeah, 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 that's they look exactly yeah. like, except that's, again, not CGI. Those are practical effects. Yeah. So, Your mother is a frightened aardvark. One of them says Add a guy, add a guy. <laughs> so it gets to the four guards. Max, uh, this scene. The door riddle. I'm going to stop talking. Play the audio right now. And I should warn you that one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies. That's a rule, too. He always lies. I do not. I tell the truth. Oh, what a lie. Oh. <laughs> He's the liar. All right. Answer yes or no. Would he tell me that this door leads to the castle? Uh, 
Yes? Then the other door leads to the castle and this door leads to certain death. Oh. Ooh. How do you know? He could be telling the truth. But then you wouldn't be. So if you told me that he said yes, I know the answer is no. But I could be telling the truth. But then he would be lying. So if you told me that he said yes, I know the answer would uh, still be no. Wait a minute. Uh, is that right? I don't know. I've never understood it. <laughs> no, it's right. I figured it out. I couldn't explain that. I had to just play it. <laughs> yeah. I need to look it up online to figure it out. Yeah, I had to. It's it's great. But it's this is, again, more of the Alice in Wonderland because I think of, like, the hearts, the cards, like, even though they're not cards, but yeah. they are cards. After she solves this, we get our first, this is a piece of cake from Sarah. And if you noticed, there's a lot of cake. <laughs> so every time she says this is a piece of cake, something, something terrible happens. Yeah. 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 She falls down the pit. And this is, I, I hate, I'm going to keep on saying this. When we talk about Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass, I mean. This yeah. is falling down the pit, right? Yep. And this scene is spooky and wonderful. And it was a hundred people. Yeah. That's how many hands there were. All this with like latex gloves on. This was the most complicated scene they felt. Right. I, it felt like the most complicated scene. Yeah. So she falls down this pit where all these arms are kind of making hand puppets and talking to her and asking her, do you want to go up? Do you want to go down? So she eventually goes all the way to the bottom. When she gets to the bottom. Very never ending story. Rock biter vibe. Yes, I agree. When she gets to the bottom, it cuts back to Jareth. <laughs> This is just fun for me because I'm a weirdo. But um, something says something to the effect of she's in the obliette. Do you know what obliette is? No. <laughs> Oblied, so I only know of two obliettes. Obliettes are basement dungeons. And I immediately start thinking of Silence of the Lambs. So the only two obliettes I know are from Labyrinth and Silence of the Lambs. So in your new basement, are you going to have one? I, I need an obliette. <laughs> it's a French term for, I, I think it's basement dungeon with only one exit. Jesus. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's dark. It's very dark. There should, if there's ever a Jeopardy question. Famous Obliettes <laughs> for 200. Uh, that's good. This also leads to one of my stupid Mo things that I just love. And every time I hear it, I love it. So when Jareth is talking to the goblins, he obviously is like the, the ultimate alpha. Like you think that you're a beta, like these goblins are betas. He'll tell them when to laugh, when not to laugh. <laughs> Why do you got to hit me with that? Because you, you're the one who always says it. You're always like, I'm such a beta. I know, I know. But it was just, it was just <laughs> sorry, nowhere. Sorry, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so he says something about uh, Hoggle. He says, the dwarf's about to lead her back to the beginning. She'll soon give up when she learns that she has to start all over. And he's laughing while he's saying it. And nobody else is laughing. And he goes, well, laugh. <laughs> and he like tells them when yeah. to laugh. And I just, this is something I used to say all the time, like in high school and college, and nobody understood what I was doing. I'd always be like, well, laugh. Yeah, that's really strange. <laughs> Super weird. I know. Thanks. I'm a weird dude. So she gets to the bottom, hoggles there, gives Hoggle some jewels. The plastic bracelet. Yeah. Holds up the magic door, which was very matrixy. I like yeah. that. The creepy rock faces. Yeah. So the rock faces. Do you remember Babes in Toyland? Not the Keanu Reeves one, but the old school one with Annette Funicello and the I've other seen dude. either. So. Okay. So I feel like this is not a big stretch. And it, there's I found, found this anyway. This is my own personal opinion. But in Babes in Toyland, there's a whole scene where they're in the forest and the trees come to life and they're like this is the forest of no return and it's this strong scary voice but the interaction of what do you mean you're doing this and then same with the rocks where the rocks are like it's our job let us do it it's almost identical it feels identical so yeah. i think it's a tip of the hat to that but i could be wrong so hoggle takes her through the cave the scary rocks are yelling turn back he has a great line in this where he says don't pay any attention to them they're false alarms <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think that's funny. You're so not interested in this. When I say, there you go, that's your equivalent of, oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. I, I just didn't remember it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From the Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or is that Macho Man? They're very similar. They're pretty similar. Oh, yeah, brother. 
You don't get deep. Yeah, it's true. So runs into Jareth, who is wearing some weird outfit sitting in a corner. <laughs> spying on them and it pops up and this is again to your point this is where sarah sees jareth with hoggle jareth is like hoggle why aren't you taking her back to the beginning he's like oh i was going to but i'm i'm max the coward i didn't know what to do <laughs> look at my jacket i'm two-faced i'm two-faced <laughs> so he takes out his crystal ball and he's not the one spinning it by the way do you know that well i can't believe we skipped this fact because that should have talked about that at the beginning yeah let's talk about it so throughout the movie jareth has these incredible crystal balls that he is juggling so cool so cool Professional juggler Michael Motion stood behind Bowie and did the juggling. Juggling on its own is hard. Can you imagine trying to like stand behind another person with your arms stuck under his armpits? Behind and David juggling? Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't screw this up. So they're in the they're in the, they're in the you sound like Homer Simpson. I know. Don't screw this up. I think they're talking to me. So Jareth confronts Sarah. Sarah again says, This is a piece of cake. And I think he shaves two hours off the clock here yep. and then th- That's not fair. Yeah. And then throws the crystal ball and then you see this machine coming at them called the cleaners and hoggle's like we got to run the cleaners is identical to the cave digging tool in total recall do you remember in total recall yeah. remember benny the cab driver yeah. they thought it was his friend yeah and then all of a sudden benny's driving the, the yeah, yeah. yeah. That, go look at the we, we have another tiktok for you to do but that tool that they use in total yeah. recall is the exact same tool that they have in labyrinth it's pretty freaky it's very freaky so they climb up a ladder and when they get out of the little pot at the top of the ladder, that's where you see the toy soldier that I told you was in her bedroom. Yep. And it's now like a Edward Scissorhand little hedge thing. She takes Hoggle's jewels from him because Hoggle's scared at this point and wants nothing to do with it. So she's, <laughs> I'm sorry, Max. Poor you're, 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 you're Hoggle, scary. you're Hoggle, you're Hoggle. You're Hoggling me, bro. So they so they meet uh, as they're, they, Hoggle says, fine, if you, I'll help you. I want my jewels back. So they meet a wise man the with, wise, the bird, with, with, the a, bird. with a bird on the hat, yep. on the head. And the wise man falls asleep and the bird talks. But here's something really interesting. I mentioned to you that Henson did not use a ton of his kind of traditional people because he didn't want the voices. So the puppeteer in the wise man is Frank Oz. Oh, no way. But the voice is not Frank Oz. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. What if he did Yoda? He would, I know, right? Mm. Gareth, you search. <laughs> Goblins take, brother, they do. <laughs> it's a weird day, Max. It's a yes, weird it day. It's at this point that she first calls Hoggle her friend, which oh. was like stunning to him. Yeah. Which I feel like is like how you feel when I'm like, yeah, this is Max, my friend. You're like, oh, no, I'm when, your friend. When this I go is- 20 minutes without you berating me, I'm like... <laughs> That's friendship. This is, if today isn't the happiest you'll be with me, there'll be no happiness. It's been a good day. Because this is going to be the happiest I ever am on the show is talking about Labyrinth. (laughs) I'm such a terrible person. I'm such a bully. Should we pause for a minute and listen to some commercial breaks let you get your breath? Okay, sure. (laughs) All right, fine. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Doby Real Estate. The premier real estate group of Southeast Michigan, Doby is the place to go if you are buying or selling your home. Check them out at wearedoby.com. It's funny because whenever I watch movies now, I'm always looking at the homes. If we're watching... You Zillow it up? Kind yeah, of? I'm not kind of in my head, right? Like risky business. Like, oh, the Lakeview house. Yeah, this yeah. gorgeous home. So same being the case with Labyrinth. Sarah's dad and stepmom have Ballin'. quite... And if you think about it, that little pond and 
Swan are walking distance from yeah. where they live. It's a beautiful area. But I'd be looking for a house in Goblin City. They have the full team approach. They have a marketing squad. They've got, of course, their agents. They are going to make sure they find the right home for you. Or if they're selling your house, they're going to get top dollar. It is a true team approach at Adobe Real Estate. Call them. Tell them that Buzz in the Tower sent you. Now is the time to sell or buy. I mean, I know it's right now a seller's market, but you can get into a good house too. You just have to have the right agent supporting you. Again, check them out at weardobe.com. 400 million in sales in 2021, 1,000 homes sold. Look no further than Doby for all of your real estate needs. So moments later, we hear a horrible sound. <laughs> Poor Ludo. Poor Ludo, indeed. I considered saying you were Ludo, but I thought you'd take more offense to that calling you Ludo than uh, Hoggle. I don't know. Ludo's, Ludo's pretty cool. Ludo is also looks a lot like the monster from Where the Wild Things Are. Yeah, he also looks like Sully from Monsters, Inc. Yeah, a little bit, except yeah. Monsters, Inc. came after that, so, yeah. I was just saying they look okay, alike. Okay, it's fair. fair. <laughs> so, he is being strung up and attacked by guards, and the attention to detail on this is terrifyingly wonderful. The guards uh, are holding these sticks. At the end of the sticks are these little, like, naked monsters that are, like, biting Ludo and biting each other. So this terrifies Hoggle. He's out. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Max. He just leaves. I'm, I'm gone. I'm out of here. I don't care for my friend. I'm out of here. Uh, so he takes off. As Ludo is being tortured, Sarah's kind of off in the distance, and I think she looks around. She's trying to find, like, if I only had a rock that I could throw. And then you get the, oh. And Ludo calls the rock. Sarah, Ludo can speak to rocks, which I think is incredible. I, and told, yeah, I told you for Halloween, you should be Ludo and your kid should be rocks. I know. That would be really cute. And she gets a rock, throws one at the little uh, little guards or minions or whatever they are. Yeah. Goblins, yeah. And they bonk into each other and, you know, hilarity ensues. And she lets Ludo down. And that's when she gets, again, on this Wizard of Oz trip of hers, she gets another friend. Ludo. No brain. <laughs> <laughs> Ludo was voiced by Ron Muick. He had 20 years of his professional life were spent as a puppet builder and performer. And if you look up his artwork, he does hyper-realistic sculptures. Mm. They're terrifying. <laughs> nightmare fuel. Go look at it after yeah. the podcast. Nightmare fuel. So he got recruited by David Goals. David Goals is an old school. It's like Frank Oz, David Goals, um, and Jim Henson, right? Goals was doing work on Fraggle Rock. Uh, Goals also did the voice, and we'll talk about this character, but I'll mention it right now. He did Didymus's voice oh, cool. in this, but he also, uh, going back to the Muppets and everything else, you know Zoot, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem? Yeah. So he does Zoot's voice, he does Gonzo's voice, he does Dr. Bunsen Honeydew's voice. Oh, wow. He does Boober on Fraggle Rock and Uncle Traveling Matt. That's a lot. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's an OG. Yeah. But he's the one who got uh, who found Ron, and Ron did the voice of Ludo, which is great. Ludo's a big one. His suit weighed 75 pounds. I believe it. And you know, it, there was a bigger version that weighed 100 pounds initially, and he couldn't do anything in he it. He physically couldn't so, do it. So they had to like dial it down. Oh, Because he looks like a giant orangutan. Yeah. Yeah. So our team's coming together. Yes. So Ludo and Sarah head off and they get to these two doors, the door knockers. One's got a ring through its nose. One's got a ring through its ears. Mm -hmm. mm. Through his mouth. I can't hear you. I can't <laughs> hear you. So he takes it out of the one's mouth, which he's ecstatic about. Yep. But then Ludo puts it in his mouth, which is gross. He doesn't want it back in. His mouth, the door knocker. They hold so his she, nose. She'll hold his nose so he opens it. So they head in there. At the same time, Hoggle's trying to catch up with them and find them. They get a few steps in. Ludo falls through the ground. Sarah's all alone. Hoggle meets up with Jareth, who gives him the poisonous peach. Snow White. Yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I mean, again, these themes Never know with a peach before. No, not with a peach. Yeah. James the Giant. my baby. <laughs> James the, the Giant peach. peach. There you go. I love that. Very, movie. I do love that movie. It's a great movie. So Hoggle is like reluctant. He's like, "Oh, is it going to hurt her?" And yeah. Jareth is kind of like riding him. Like, why do you care? So Hoggle's off to go find Sarah. So as Sarah walks alone. She meets the Fireys. Fireys. 
They are like terrifying. When you've been to after parties at like 4 a.m. and there's people that are still going and you're like, what? what is wrong with you? That's Chili down with the fire game. No problems. No suitcases. Like, what are they singing? I can't even try to imitate this type of music or yeah. singing. It, they're terrifying. So she gets freaked out. They have this little musical bit. Hoggle drops a rope to save her. Yep. Brings her up top. As they're kind of moving along, they fall into the bog of eternal stench. And uh, insert Taco Bell joke. Yeah, I don't have a good one. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the movie. Really? Is know. it the farting noises? The farting you're, noises. You're, you're a small child. So they fall into the bog of eternal stench. Ludo's already there. Oh, smell. He's. I sound like sloth when I'm doing Ludo. I wish I could do a better Ludo. Yeah. So they are in a heap of trouble. You got to be careful, too. If you get in the bog of stench, you smell that way forever. You can't touch anything in there. Yeah. Although technically they do. Because I know. The, the I rocks know, come I out know. of it. That yeah. bothers me, too. Yeah. So <laughs> they're in the bog of stench. Now you've got Hoggle, Ludo, Sarah. So now they're off. To see the wizard, the wonderful wonderful wizard of goblins. <laughs> we hear he is a whiz of a whiz, if ever a whiz there was. God, your singing brings me so much joy. So they get to a bridge, a crossing, but the crossing is protected by none other than Sir Didymus. <laughs> the air is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, so you asked earlier what the one thing I would want from this movie would be. It would probably be Sir Didymus. He's great. He's my heart. I love Sir <laughs> Didymus. He's my he's my spirit animal. He's got the gonzo arms. Like the what? I love Sir. So yeah. Sir Didymus has a trusty steed, Ambrosius. Yeah. So Ambrosius is Merlin. Yep. From the beginning, before she goes into the goblin world. Interesting. In some versions of Arthurian legend, which is King Arthur, Knights of Table, Arthurian legend. Okay. Merlin's full name is Merlin. Ambrosius. Oh. So he is Merlin the dog before she goes into the world of the labyrinth. Yep. But as Didymus's trusty steed, cowardice steed, is Ambrosius. Got it. Which is very similar to Precious. Right. Precious. Precious. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Ambrosius. So now the whole gang's getting together. They have to obviously pass the bridge. I mean, this is like the troll toll, yeah. right? <laughs> You like that? Yeah. You like that? I need to give you a little sunny. I wish people could see your face when I just loop in. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) And you're like, oh man, the troll toll. But I mean, these are classic stories, right? The bridge is protected. You have to, the riddle to get past the bridge. Although this riddle is like silly Muppet riddle, right? I I did like, it was kind of a contrasting thing from fairy tales. This bridge has lasted a thousand years. Just collapsed. Collapsed. (laughs) So the bridge falls apart and that's where Ludo, well, you have a a quick fight between Sir Didymus and Ludo, which is now... It's funny because Sir Didymus calls him Sir Ludo, yeah. which is very cute. He's got short guy hate. He does. He's like, I'll take on anyone. He's the best. He's the best. In the, he's my favorite character in the whole movie, without question. I think so, too. He's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. So he, um, they all go over the bridge. The bridge collapses. Ludo's got to call the rocks to yep. help them get across the bridge. They make their way across the bridge. At this point, you have... I believe either right after this or right before Hoggle tries to throw away the peach, but you hear Jareth's voice saying, what, Pick are, it you, up. what are you doing? Yeah. Give it to her. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ever since I, the oudliette or whatever it's called, the, yeah. the, the pit of, yeah, that's terrible. So you don't know what pain is, lady. You have no idea what <laughs> give me back my dinamis. <laughs> oh, Ambrosius. <laughs> it's kind of so works. weird. Uh, so Hoggle wants to throw away. Jared says no. He gives it to her. As soon as she bites into it, what did you? she sees the music box and she turns into the girl in the music box and goes to the dance. So there's this whole dance scene, uh, again, choreographed by, uh, Paul Abdul? yeah, no, not by, <laughs> amazing. It was Paul Abdul by the Star Trek lady. Um, so goes through the whole scene. She, she decides she doesn't want to stay in this trance. So she takes a chair and breaks the glass, breaks yep. the mirror, but then she falls into this like 
junkyard, right? And in the junkyard, all these things start to consume her. So there's this old kind of bag woman yep. who brings her into a room that's her room. And while, really she, trippy. while she's in her room, the old woman is behind her saying, oh, but don't forget this and don't yep. forget that and starts piling these things. So if you could see the old woman, we're on a podcast, you can't really see it. The old woman is carrying like a house on her back. A, yeah, house on her back, basically. And I think, again, this is just really good storytelling. This is these items that you have to grow out of and you have to move past, they're just items. They're meaningless. But if you allow them to consume you, you wear them on your back. You carry them. Yeah. They weigh you down. You like this very philosophical yeah. stuff. Hmm. So she decides she needs to break free from this. She says, you know, all these things are consuming her. And, and the old woman says, don't you like your toys? And she says, it's all junk. And she's even this and gives the her. Yeah, yeah. And there you go. You got yeah. it. You got it. So right after this. Ludo finds her. You hear Ludo like breaks through the garbage, pulls her out. So now you've got Didymus, Ambrosius, <laughs> Precious, <laughs> Ludo. Wild Bill. Yeah, you got everybody. And they head to the gate of the castle. And this is your favorite character, the Transformer. Transformer. So the gate of the castle, there's this giant mechanical machine it's that's so got big. a giant axe, yeah. but just a little goblin in his head. Hoggle gets so brave and like jumps on this. Th- Again, this is stunning change of character. Yep. But that's the whole point. Now, I know you're going to punch me for saying Wizard of Oz, but don't you remember at the end of Wizard of Oz when like he thought he needed courage, but he already had his courage? Oh my God. That's this is the moment where Hoggle already has his courage. Okay. He apologizes to her for drugging her with the peach. She accepts the apology because they're friends and because he's brave. So now we get to the main fight scene of the movie. They're in the Goblin City. And in the Goblin City, you have, you know, Jareth is freaking out. So he, classic, I, I don't know why it feels like Hook to me. Do you remember in Hook when they're like ringing the bell yeah. and all the pirates come out? This is the same thing. Jareth is like, get everyone, it's everyone. A, <laughs> it seems like the same kind of scene too. It feels very similar. So all of the goblins are fighting. You have all spike these. Spike cannons. The spike cannon's great. There's a goblin inside of a cannonball with spikes on it. Jousting. Yeah. So the, the joust between Sir Didymus <laughs> and one of the goblins is great. Of course, Sir Didymus is not scared, but Ambrosius is terrified. The rest of them get into a house. Ludo can't fit through the front door of the house, so he rips the whole side of the house open like a door, and he gets all the way up to the attic through the roof, and he calls the rocks. And the rocks wipe out all of the goblins. You wonder why he didn't do that from the beginning. It's There's there's <laughs> questions that don't get answered, but that's okay. That's all right. So time's running out. They get to the castle. They get to the castle. No one's there. No one's there. This is where Sarah turns to her friends and says, this last part I have to do on my own. This again is the journey of the hero, but that she has to do the last part on her own and face Jareth. Yep. Then we get to the maze. This is the MC Escher. Yep. Right, the the stairs of nowhere. They do a great job. I mean, it looks it's it's a really cool scene when Bowie like flips up, kind of out of the stairs, like gravity pushes him forward. It's really freaky. So, do you remember this happened almost identically in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, 1989, Nightmare on Elm Street Five, Dream Child? This is almost the same thing. Remember the baby. The unborn baby is yeah, having nightmares yeah. and it is in the Escher picture crawling around and she has to like figure out how to do. I mean, it's almost you, the same. You thing. think they took it from this? It's really, really similar. Yeah. We'll have to do like another TikTok and throw that together. <laughs> let people see it, Max. Show the people how wonderful and brilliant we are. So she makes it through there, gets to Toby, and then we have the confrontation with with her and Jareth. He tries to tempt her one more time. Oh, he's a temptress. He <laughs> or tempter. Either one. Oh, whatever. Stop. Wait. Look what I'm offering you, your dreams. <laughs> so she starts reading. It all ties it back together. This was the part that she was reading at the very beginning of she the movie. She couldn't remember. That she couldn't remember the part. She's like, damn, I always forgot this part. And she gets through it. And as she's reading it, I ask for so little. Just let me rule you and you can have everything you want. 
just fear me, love me, That's a lot. do as I say, and I will be your slave. This is like, this is literally you and I. <laughs> Am I wrong? This is you every day. Like, you know, just, I ask for so little. I, I just want to rule you, Max. Why do you have to have an issue with that? You have no power over me. Had <laughs> a guy. She finally says, you have no power over me. The clock hits 13. Jareth turns back into an owl and she's back home. Yep. This is where some funny things happen that just make me laugh. Like she's in her bedroom. She's putting away her toys and pictures. She yep. first makes sure Toby's there, obviously. Really doesn't spend much time with Toby. No. She's like, good, you're okay. Like you thought they, this is the part of the movie that bothers me. I thought she was going to be more grounded in reality when this is done. We get to the bedroom scene and there's a couple things. I agree with you. The end is, I like it, but it's a little funny, right? So Toby's fine. She's putting away her toys. She's taking the music box and putting it away. You know, she's moving on. I mean, the, the symbolism of this, right, is that she's moving away from being this child into being a young woman or into being a woman. The funny part to me about this is that her dad comes home and I think it's midnight, correct? Yep. Her dad comes home and says, Sarah, are you home? If he thought that she wasn't home and left the infant unattended and his 16-year-old daughter is not home at midnight, don't you think that the tone would have been like a little bit different? Yeah, it makes no sense. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page on that. As she's doing this, she sees Ludo in the mirror saying goodbye. And then Didymus, he like dissolves and then Didymus says goodbye. And then Hoggle, you know, should you need us? And she's like, I need you, Hoggle. I don't know why every now and again in my life, I need all of you. And then they're like, well, why didn't you say so? And then it's a big party. It's the wrong message. No, I loved it. It's the wrong message. It's the it's the right. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead and make your argument. What has she learned out of everything? Don't but- ever wish for goblins <laughs> to take your little brother away. It's a away. terrible analogy. It's a great lesson. <laughs> no, I think the point of it is, if I may, okay. it's important to grow. It's important to mature. It's important to leave childish things behind. But it's also important to hold on to some of them. So her having both. Losing the woe is meanness of being a little kid, being responsible for Toby and her own happiness, but also knowing that every once in a while, Max, you know what I need to do? I need to go watch the Muppets take Manhattan. Okay. I'm 43 years old, and every once in a while, I got to go watch the Great Muppet Caper. Every once in a while, I got to watch the Goonies. Like, that's what this is to me. Like, those mirror, everything in the mirror, are all the silly, stupid, childish things that you and I do, like having a podcast about 80s movies. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I can't argue that, can you? No. Max. I am excited to tell you that we didn't go 13 hours and uh, that covers the entire movie. Max, I'm, I'm clear on my list. Yeah. I, I've, I've thought, I think no I've more spoke, Easter eggs. Not that I'm sure there are ones. No I've more missed. wizard of Oz stuff. Are you sure? I'm a little bit exhausted. <laughs> I've, I've expended all of my labyrinth energy, but I saved enough energy for a banger of a buzz in the tower fan spotlight. Max, our Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight this week. Uh, this is, I didn't even tell you who it was. I'm so excited. You have no idea. You're going to be pumped. Serious Moonlight Bowie tribute. You mean the band we saw? The band we saw. So, for those of you that didn't know, we had the opportunity to have Tim Capella from The Lost Boys on the believe. show. I still believe. And he was in town because he was doing a guest spot with Serious Moonlight Bowie tribute. These guys, Dan, their lead singer, Sounds exactly like Bowie. Yep. It was so much fun. We had a, it was me, you, and your wonderful girlfriend, Selena. How much fun did we have? It was incredible. He did our Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight. No way. So yeah, Dan and his band, they have a huge community of people that just support them. They do, I think, a actual, didn't you say they do an actual labyrinth thing? Like, they do. Yeah, they do like a whole reenactment, like a little bit theater, a little bit music as well. Great costumes too. So I reached out to Dan behind your back because I thought it would be fun. Okay. And I asked him, I know I'm terrible. And I asked him, you know, be our fan spotlight for this because it's labyrinth. He was excited. So he sent us, so he sent us the audio. Before I even give you that, 
SeriousMoonlightBowieTribute.com is his website. You can also find them on Instagram, same handle, SeriousMoonlightBowieTribute. If you're a David Bowie person, if you're an 80s music, 70s music person, or if you love the Labyrinth, go check them out. Dan and his whole band, great guys. With all the buildup done, I asked Dan what his favorite scenes from Labyrinth are, and I'm excited to hear what he had to say. No one can blame you for walking away rejection little girl no love injection hi this is dan from serious moonlight bowie tribute i think if i had a favorite scene from the movie a favorite bowie scene anyway it's got to be the ending when sarah defeats him it's uh his performance is so great you just see him and his whole world get crushed and of course his whole world crumbles down as she falls back into reality it's just beautiful i also love his performance during um the staircase scene when he's singing everything I've done, I've done for you. And he kind of looks at her and then looks away and it's just, just so pained. It's just great. And I think that's what makes him so great in the movie itself. He was absolutely the right choice. If they wanted to put a pop star in the movie, it had to be him. Part of it's the English accent. We as Americans just, you know, he's English. That makes it mysterious and royal and whatever, and evil or whatever. So part of it's the accent, but just his, he's just a fine, fine, actor his performance and his interpretation of the characters is great and uh his interactions with all of the puppets is just incredible and henson's creations are just fantastic of course and uh, i love watching the back uh behind the scenes stuff of him working with michael motion trying to do the crystal manipulation while michael motion's got his arm through from behind his back i hope i'm not giving away any industry secrets here i think we all know this but um those are just fun to watch. Anyway, great film. Love it. Love David Bowie. Love his music. I love his performance. And uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to be a part of this. He did not disappoint. He sounds just like him. <laughs> he, he really, I mean, he looks like him. Remember yeah. his costume changes? And he had the, uh, like, the contacts, too. So yeah. his eyes looked like, oh, yeah. man, Dan, that's, I mean. He's got a great voice. Yeah, he does. So please go check out Dan. Like I said, serious moonlight. They're so Bowie fun. Tribute, so fun. They if have you get a chance to come and hang out with, if them you there. get a chance to see them perform, it is. We're going next time. Yeah. They're around. It was an absolute blast. Max, we've done it. We've talked labyrinth. This was a, a absolute pleasure project for me that you allowed me to have. Did I did I turn your brain at all? Did I change your position on this? The one thing again, I'll go back to this. Childhood is notoriously dark. In traditional fairy tales and you've never seen storyteller series that henson did i just think that a lot of people if they kind of if they if it wasn't jim henson if it was someone else and they went into it with that mentality it'd be different did i, did I push it a little bit more to the good side of the force on this so i'm going to chalk this up to how i feel about classical music i can appreciate that there's brilliance to it but it's not for me okay i'll, I'll accept that yeah i will accept, i i feel so good about this movie yeah that even your uneducated swine <laughs> flu crap i'm kidding i'm sorry i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna get your be nice. Give me EDM pop BS. There you go. You're, you and your sugar. You just want sugar. I do. Your sugar. Three minute pop songs. Max, it's uh, it's a wrap. As always, thank you so much for your wonderful research. I'm glad to see you're on the mend and not feeling sick and throwing up in the middle of the podcast. That's a less of a distraction for me. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, next week, we've got our draft episode, I think. We're doing a draft. Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I don't know. Jesus Christ. That's great. All right, Max, uh, what do you have to end this little ditty? If you excuse me, I have to go piss in a pond. <laughs> Hoggle out. There you go. Hoggle <laughs> out. That's great. All right. You ready for mine? Yeah. Well, laugh. Uh, still, uh, that's it's, it's, it's still weird. Okay. Yeah. Max, I'll see you next week. Bye.
you're still here. It's over. Go home. Go.